Welcome to season two of the Retail Tea Break. My name is Melissa Moore, founder of The Retail Advisor. As a consultant, mentor, trainer and lecturer, I enable retailers and makers to reach their potential through sales growth and excellence in customer experience. I'm also your host of The Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and makers to decode the myths, share stories and their insights into this industry of ours. So if you enjoy listening to The Retail Tea Break, subscribe to the podcast and share it with others in the industry too. So sit back, grab that cup of tea and listen in. Welcome to The Retail Tea Break. Today, I'm joined by a couple who've created one of Ireland's first interiors and lifestyle shops. The family-run independent store is full of a carefully curated collection of authentic, eclectic product mix. With a quarter of a million loyal followers online and a hugely successful online store, this brand is leading the market in every way. Vanessa and Kieran from Bobe Interiors, you're very welcome to the Retail Tea Break. Thank you very much, Vanessa. Good morning. I am thrilled to have you on. So look, complete transparency. I know you two a little bit well. So you I'm do kind of, yeah. Yeah. Really, really looking forward to this chat. It's so nice to talk to retailers who are doing both bricks and mortar and online so well. So before we kick off, in the time it takes to boil a kettle, which I'm told is about two minutes, wow. tell us a bit about yourselves and your backgrounds. Um, let's see, my background is not in this field at all. My degree was in science, analytical science. So when I graduated, I moved to the States, which I thoroughly enjoyed as a young person in my 20s living in San Francisco. Um, but over there, it was great to be exposed to lots of different things. So when I came home, I knew I didn't want to stay in science. So over the course of two years, I developed a range of products that I sold into retail myself. I sold into Brown Thomas, I sold internationally. And then just one thing led to another and I decided to actually open a shop that I could showcase my products. As it's turned out, they've taken a back step from it and we've just embraced lots of other international brands. And I suppose at the, at the time, 21 years ago now, um, furniture shops were furniture shops. Whereas in America, uh, Pottery Barn, Creighton Bar, Williams and Snowbus, lots of lovely lifestyle shops that as a 20 year old, I was very happy to go and browse in. I wasn't looking for furniture at the time. You know, I didn't have- Just the little bits. The little bits. Um, and then just, um, it started to evolve from there. So when I started, I was conscious of what I'd been exposed to in America. And then I just kind of started doing that. So now in our shop, we have larger pieces of furniture and obviously we have lots of lovely small bits, jewelry, things that you can take away. So essentially you could do your house from top to bottom in the shop. And then, incredible. Um, then I met Kieran and the rest is history. He joined <laughs> The company a few years later and he's still here. Still here somewhere. <laughs> so he can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like Vanessa, have a very uh, diverse background as well. Um, I qualified industrial engineer, so most of my career was spent in manufacturing and services, uh, running different companies at different sizes and things like that, just managing processes and things like that. And then, um, as Vanessa said, when we met, I was working for the National Quality Association. And then 
uh, she in a moment of insanity sort of said, why don't you come work for me? Mm. Um, so yeah, moved down. Uh, while I had probably sold business to business before this, dealing with the, 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 the public was um, challenging or, or at least it was a different learning curve. Um, but no, we, we embraced it and, you know, brought, I hope, some skills to the, to the party from, you know, streamlining processes, looking at things differently. The you know, fact that Vanessa had worked in one way for so many years, you have a different set of eyes looking at things differently. Um, and yeah, I suppose Vanessa is the creative one. I, I just do the, the heavy lifting behind, behind, behind the scenes. But it seems to be like this perfect mix of, as you say, Kieran, creative, but also such strong operational mm. and an overview. Like you bring the strategy as well. And I think that to me as an outsider is why Vogue works so well, creatively, visually, it's stunning inside the shop. Mm. It's stunning online and on your socials. But as you say, you've got efficiencies, you've got good operations. Yeah. The, the wheel is constantly churning. So you had all that pre-pandemic yeah what was it like then and I suppose how did it change over those two years oh it, it changed overnight yeah. because we we sat down coming into it because obviously we had lived through the recession and knew how bad that was and I remember Vanessa turning to me as as we closed the door uh whatever 24 hours before Leo pulled the plug and she turned to me and says, look, we don't know what's ahead of us here, but look, if we can survive the next coming months, whatever, and get enough money to pay the electricity, that is, that, that is a success. So that's where the bar was set. Um, within, oh God, 72 hours, it had gone off the Richter scale. We went from in an empty store to probably working 17, 18 hours a day just to try and keep on top of it because we were independent because we had nothing else better to do because um we were working for ourselves and thankfully we had the foresight to invest in all the systems so all the social was up and active yeah. all of the infrastructure for the website was up and active all of the supply chains were independent supply chains that we used were also up so we were open and open for business, um, told the country it, and the country found us. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was very, very challenging, but it, it, it happened, you know, and we did some, as you said, from a process point of view, we did some really interesting things where you were, you were picking up, you know, three bedroom sets directly from a warehouse in Manchester and dropping it in somebody's front lawn in Kildare and not touching it because that's the way the supply chain could get most efficiently to the customer. Customers delighted they got product in the middle of a lockdown. We were delighted to get the sale and effectively not have to touch the product at all. Um, but it, you know, it was very, very, very hard work. Yeah. As I said, it was 17 hours a day. You were up in the morning checking the orders from the night before, pack up the cars into work, process the orders, uh, get the orders from that day out and then by three o'clock you're thinking right what do we now need to photograph and promote this evening for the next day and that that was your thing and then you you kept working till 10 11 o'clock that night and then you you went again the next day and the next day and there was no I think we tried to take for pandemic we tried to take Sundays off yeah. and just said that was it we, we can't do any more 
Um, but literally, that was the first lockdown. And then once things unlocked, obviously took all the staff back immediately. And then for the, the second and third and whatever lockdowns, kept all the staff on because we knew what was coming this time. And we needed all of the bodies in all of their you know, areas to, 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 to keep the show on the road. And the challenge then when we reopened them was trying to balance online and in the store because you've got a certain amount of staff so to cover, they're essentially two different businesses. Yeah. So that was the real challenge. And it, it's, it's an ongoing challenge yeah. just to balance both. I was, that was really my next question. Yeah. I was going to ask you about this because I'm well aware that out there, smaller retailers or even those that are really only new to e-commerce maybe started to build it during the pandemic feel that it's just a little almost side hustle whereas you are you you speak about it so well and also in your business it seems like it's a whole other store you could say it's like a whole mm. other business that almost eats you alive yeah. what's it like having the physical and such a strong e-com presence it's it, it, it's literally you have to have two hats on at all times because Again, when you manage a website, it's exactly like the shop. You have to make sure products are properly displayed, priced, put in the right locations. It, and Sometimes again, even more because it's, it's so visible. There's, yeah, there's no interaction in the store. You can talk around the fact that you forgot to say it comes in blue. Online, it has to be there for the customer to self-navigate all the time. And then it comes down to product images. Some suppliers are absolutely fantastic. Their image banks are great. A lot of our really lovely suppliers don't have the money to do it. And that's photography. There's so much money required to do the proper setups for things and stuff. So like you said, Melissa, it's not uh, an online, it's this little magic genie that's going to create a fortune for you by just having it there. It's exactly like physical shop. You have to work at it. You have to promote it. You have to ensure that people are aware of it. And that's through social media as well. You need, it's, it's a vital, element for retailers now by the sounds of it then it's probably more demanding than your physical shop at this stage or certainly was during the pandemic oh during the pandemic it was that was what we what we made our living off and it just grew at such a phenomenal level and you had to it's like you have to feed the beast all the time you just have to you know keep generating content and that whereas at least when somebody can come into the shop they're aware of it they might come in and browse they may subsequently go home and buy it online or the reverse may happen they might look at it online and come into the shop and purchase it in the shop um so now there's a balance between the two um but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mammoth task to try and yeah. keep both going. And actually, you've just mentioned that you have this gorgeous blended experience. As you say, you can sit down on your own sofa at home with your slippers on and have a look at your imagery on your socials, on your website, and then pop into the store and touch yeah. and feel, yeah. or vice versa. How have you found blending those two? Because it seems to me, again, as a consumer, it's seamless. How easy or difficult has that been to get that balance right for the customer? It, there is a difficulty. Thankfully, it's the 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of customers understand what you're doing and they understand how it works. 20%, unfortunately, sometimes don't fully get what we're about. And you do occasionally get the odd disappointed customer who arrives in store and suddenly is disappointed 
that there isn't 2,000 dining tables down the right-hand yeah. side of the store. If what you mean, you don't have every single thing on your website in store today so I can see it. Now, um, I suppose because of the way Vanessa built the business from the beginning, um, Vogue has always been unusual as to how we sell. Because I say to customers and friends and whatever all the time, Vogue is unique because we sell trust. We don't sell product because the majority of our sales were selling items that the customer cannot see and cannot touch. They might be able to see a particular table, sofa, chair from a supplier, but they're not going to see that particular one in the fabric they want, in the color they want, all the rest of it. So there's that engagement to say, well, I know what you want and you have to trust me to deliver mm -hmm. things. So we're used to selling things that are, are, are not physical effectively. Um, so the online can work for us that way, where you're used to saying to the person, look, at a, at a distance, let me email you and I can show you that I understand what you want. This is the color, this is the shape, this is the thing. Are we on the same wavelength? Yes, we are. And, you know, because we then put in the hard yards of going mm -hmm. to all the shows and physically seeing all this product up thing, you then impart that knowledge to the customer to say, I really do understand what you're about and this is what you want. Trust me. Um, and, mo and most do. I don't think, I can't remember a single time where we've done something like that for a customer and it has backfired and the customer says, no, yeah. that's not what I wanted. That's not what I, I envisaged. Um, and even online, um, we get ahead of most issues. Like a classic one is somebody orders, say, a bar stool yeah. opposed to a counter stool. Everybody in store is programmed to go check that because 99.999% of things are counter stools in this country. Why has Mrs. Murphy just ordered five bar stools? This is weird. Let's check that so she's not disappointed when they arrive. Wow. That would be, unfortunately, that would be the customer error in that case because they have ordered the wrong product. But we try and get ahead of it. But that's odd. Yeah. Check that because it's, it's outside the norm. Again, you know, you just you're just used to what people want. So, and again, I think this is really special. Listening to you talk there makes me smile because trust is a factor. So we've got the human skills there, which is in you, and it's it's naturally occurring in both of you, but also your team, as you've said, are trained up yeah. to work in this way. So we've got the human skills. We've got these incredible digital skills because of your online presence and your your social following. But also then we have this incredible in-depth product knowledge. So you have the perfect three in Vogue and it's seen again, it's seen in both of you, it's seen in your staff. That's like the perfect marriage for retail because if the customer doesn't trust you, they won't buy from you. If you don't have the product knowledge and you can't display that product knowledge visually or with the copy online, they won't buy from you. And you know yeah. what? If you don't have a strong digital presence, they won't buy from you. So it seems at the moment, that that real retail marriage of all three is really strong, but I'm sure that doesn't come easily or it's not, that doesn't happen overnight. No, um, and I suppose that 
for all people who are working for themselves, it's a balancing act that you have to do. And coming off the back of, you know, two very intense years, you're kind of going, we need to start balancing out our lives. Because again, you do find when you go home, you're online, you're doing an awful lot of, your day doesn't end at six o'clock. So we can use on into the night. So I suppose that's the balance for independent retailers is to try and, you know, find a balance where you can satisfy your customers and satisfy your own needs as well. And you're right, the, yeah. the, the product knowledge, it's not a, a, a special pill you take. It's, it's study, yeah. it's it's yeah. craft, it's, yeah. it's keeping up, you know, looking at every brochure that comes in from every key supplier and familiarizing yourself with it. You don't memorize them, but you sort of know. So if somebody comes in looking for a blue chair with pink spots, you go, ah, I, I've seen one of those. Give me a minute. I think it's in these 10 suppliers. Is that what you're looking for? And, and that's just graft. I mean, it is something we have to instill in staff when they arrive with us is to say, you know, sometimes when it happens in the store, when there's nothing to physically do, everything is doing, sit down and study. You know, mm. it's work. It is actually work because we... I mean, I heard it years later from Fergal Quinn when he was doing it. He, he had a rule in Super Quinn, which was if, if you were in line of sight of a customer, you had to doff your cap and at least acknowledge it. If they came within six feet, two meters, you physically had to say hello. We go out of our way, all the staff, that as a, where we can, as a person comes in the store, you acknowledge their, their being there. You don't go to them. It's not pressure selling in your face. But it's like, I have now told you that I'm aware that you're here. You want me, you come get me. I will walk by you. I will greet you. Is everything okay? But I'm not going to be in your face. But you know that I'm aware of your, you being here. And then after that, as we said, it is engagement. It's what are you looking for? Because it's probably not here anyway. And then once you know what the customer is actually looking for. If you have it physically there, you show them. If not, you bring them on a journey to show them that I can give you exactly what, you're, what you want and I have the knowledge to understand what you want. And you only get that by engaging with the customer. Um, and look, we, we go on busman's holidays and go visit other stores. And yes. sometimes we're shocked. Or we can go through a massive branded you know, store in Ireland or uh, on the continent, and nobody gives you the time of day, yeah. 25 minutes that you've walked through their building. You know, you don't even get grunt to that. And we're going, ha this is, one, it's not a pleasant experience. And two, how can you actually sell to people if, if you're not engaging with them, even at a, a base level of just, you know, good morning, that type of thing. And we're shocked as to how many places that happens. Um, so am I, believe me, so am <laughs> I. And I think sometimes when you're in a business, you take it for granted that that's just what you do. So actually yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not that it's nice, but it's, it's interesting to see that you're very aware that what you do isn't the norm out there at the moment yeah. because mm. it isn't. Mm. No, we get it. Look, we're, we're very fortunate. We have customers that travel ridiculous distances we've had customers on day trips from Cork and Kerry to come and see us and you do feel um yeah you you, you feel um 
pressure, not pressurized, but that you hope. You want to do the best for them. Yeah, you don't want to disappoint after the person that has invested four hours of their time just come and see you. You know, you hope that it delivers on their expectations. Um, And, you know, you want after all that, that they at least get a smile when they come through your door. Um, And I suppose one of the things we never do is sell a product that wasn't suitable. Yeah, you've so, always said that. Yeah, you just and it, it's that I suppose. Look, we're fortunate that in the we have customers who bought the first home, furnished the first home with us, and they're back to their second home. And in some cases, their children. their children are coming into well because I would be much happier to see somebody not buy an office because we didn't have the right thing for them or what they were looking for didn't suit them. Um, so I suppose we do want and we've to get got into good, we've gone into good loyal, loyal customers homes and you know looked at a train where they went out on a Friday and bought something you know an enormous sofa and you just look at it and they look at you and they you can see them going yeah we know we know (laughs) and you go what how how did you make such a massive mistake and they go it it looked nice and yeah and we'd never do that I mean as Vanessa said there, there is times where we know we have physically talked ourselves out of sales. Wow. Yep. Pretty much we've refused to sell to people because it, the, what they're looking for is so unbelievably wrong for their space, for their home, for everything. It's just you almost refuse. And you can say some of them almost, you know, get upset with you and go, well, I'm off. I'm going to find somebody to sell that to me. And you just go, that's fine. But we have... It's terrible. We, we don't. We, we have I, conscience. Yeah. I hate to think that anybody tried to pressure somebody into <clears> sales because it's lovely that customers, you know, we've weekly been customers who come and go. Sometimes yeah. they buy, sometimes they don't. But they're always a joy. They bring such happiness and they enjoy the shop. And, you know, sometimes they will buy, sometimes not. So not. That gives you long term custom, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. This is the long game for you. It's not the quick buck today. Yeah. No, long term yeah. happy you know, yeah, satisfied yeah. customers that trust you, as you've said. Yeah. And more retailers, I think, need to think, especially independent ones, especially ones that are trying to lead the market, need to think that way because it's very much a long-term game. It is, yeah. It's not um, just, you know, we're not going to be in and out of this in five years. Well, it's the thing. I mean, we had a, a lad in a couple of years ago um, doing a bit of training and he, he'd previously worked with a car, a car showroom. And he said, you know, what's a customer worth to the guys? And they went, oh, well, it's worth a car a year, 20 grand or 30 grand. And he went, well, not if you do it right. And they went, what do you mean? And they said, well, how many how, you know, how many cars are they going to, if you do it well and they come back to you, how many cars are they going to go? Well, they're going to change the car every five years. So that's 20 grand. Now we're up to 100,000. Oh, yeah. Then if you do that, will the partner come to you? Oh, yeah, they might. So now we're up to 200,000. Will they then tell a positive experience to their mother, father, and think? So I said, before you know it, he said, you could be looking at a million turnover yeah. from one customer if you do it right and you give them the correct product that they need and, you know, and give them a positive experience. Okay, you don't change your sofa that often, but if somebody comes back to you and, and we believe that if we've provided a good service for them or a good solution, and sometimes that solution could be, look, you know, you need to go to pick another brand because that's the person you need to get, get to. We're not going to satisfy that particular product. But 
you know, personally, we know that if you go to them, that's where you get the solution. And sometimes those customers will come back to you yeah. to go, thanks, I got that there, but I've come back to you because yeah. you, you fixed the problem for me. I love it. Again, it comes down to trust, which is just so special. It's traditional yeah. old fashioned retail at yeah. its best. It really, really is. Camille, that's almost the positive. What are the challenges you're facing at the moment, both either physically in the store or online or with the socials? What are the things that are almost the barriers right now? Um, with social and online, you're on 24 hours a day. So if sometimes you find if you don't respond quickly enough to somebody, they get annoyed. So it's just compared to 21 years ago, when you had a fax in the telephone, you <laughs> Saturday yeah. evening, and that was it. Whereas now it's 24 hours a day. Um, so you have to be on all the time. And visual content for social media, it's just improved so much what people expect. Instead of it just being a still image now, people expect videos. They expect The, the, the expectations for content have changed dramatically in the last two years because so many people have been at home in private capacities and done stuff as well and even just mics cameras everything has changed so that's a that's a big challenge that you never are and expectations have increased significantly that's yeah it's it's and even delivery times when people expect for small items what i ordered today i don't have it and you're just going but it's a big piece of furniture you know not bring this product yeah. it has to it's, go to a network so it's just what people expect has changed enough yeah the online is, is it, it, the expect customer expectations is too long it's too great i call the delivery thing the amazon effect where yes clicked last night at 10 o'clock and it's not here by breakfast the following morning yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you then go well we shipped it with pick a carrier on bust or uh, and they go well phone them and find out where it is and i said it's on the back of a van but i need to know exactly where it is and go, it doesn't operate that way you i cannot tell you with gps tracking where your you know cross 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 body leather bag is this second for your empty bragging i just can't and you know shouting at me on the phone is not going to bus driver drive any faster for that that's not nice the other thing is people either online and in some people in store, we've had a couple on social who've given out to us because coming into store wasn't, and I quote, the experience I was hoping for, end quote. Uh, this oh. person gave out to us because at Christmas time, there was too much stock in the store. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's not yes. often I get floored on the podcast, but my goodness, um, so, wow. So, so there is there's, there's a lot of that. You have to be able to stand back, which sometimes I'm not. And just <laughs> <laughs> this person at that moment in time is annoyed about something, not necessarily us. Yeah. Yes. Actually come into her field of vision and she will put that on us there yeah. and then. Yeah. So it's just to be able to stand back and not to take that personally because... And in, in every time somebody makes either a positive comment or a negative comment, stand back and say, well, look at, could we have done better? Yeah. Did we let the person down? And if you go to your checklist and you feel you have, 
then you rectify that. And if you feel it happened, you have to try and move on. No, would probably say I don't. But... <laughs> but you know what? I think that's the perfect way to deal with it. You know, research has showed us the last 18 months, we are now living in this fierce expectations economy. Yeah. We're so used to sitting on our sofas with our iPads or our phones yeah. and clickety-click everything happens that because we can't move fast enough or we can't we can't visually set that perfect expectation that people find online in our stores that you almost do have to take a deep breath so I love your way of dealing with that Vanessa because I think you're right if you've done everything in your power you know to fulfill that dream yeah sometimes we haven't and you do have to say look next time I'm going to do better on this but once you've satisfied yourself that we did not let the person down. Yeah. And some customers you're just not going to satisfy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a customer recently and unfortunately their product was just jammed in the supply chain thanks to COVID. And, and it was everything. I don't think it was quite caught in the canal in Egypt, but it was close. <laughs> it was a perfect storm. Yeah. Vanessa phoned her and said, look, I'm unbelievably sorry. It is running late. It is outside my control. And Vanessa goes, look, here is your money back. And the customer said, again, pretty much I paraphrase, oh, you'd love to get out of it by doing that, wouldn't you? And Vanessa goes, well, what else do you want me to yeah. do? I cannot physically make this product out of thin air. I know where it is, and it's about six weeks out. I have offered your money back. You've refused that. What else can I do? There is literally nothing else I can do for you right now. Um, and, and you know you're just you you have to take that on the chin as well, and that's in store online and everything. That's just a, a customer who is unhappy with themselves, and again, you never know what's going on in people. No, absolutely, and I think it proves, as you both said, you have to be really tough-skinned in this game. And I think it's actually it's getting so much tougher to really, oh, really yeah. deal and, and set the expectations and meet people's expectations. But as you say, look, there's there's very few customers oh, that are like that yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And 99% of them are incredibly happy and satisfied yes. and keep yes, coming back, which the, is... And that's yeah. what you have to take on board. Yeah. Not the 0.1% that are having a bad day, justified or not. Yeah. yeah. No. Come here, I can't let you go without talking about this insane social media following you have. Like it's up to <laughs> sitting on nearly a quarter of a million now, which is just mind blowing again for this small in some respects when we mm. look at the big global players. But like for an independent family run business in Ireland, that is phenomenal. How how did it start? How have you grown it in, in a nutshell? How, how easy was that, Vanessa? Oh, super easy. Just woke up one morning. There it was. It's just, it's consistent. It's just yeah. little by little. I suppose we started it um, in the recession 2011. And just it's providing consistent content and variety. That's it. And the one thing that I feel sad about, that's sad, that's not the right word, but conscious of right now is that Instagram and Facebook are these mammoth beasts now. Mm-hmm. They're selling these. They're selling. So now, you know, I put up content and it's like, oh, you're supposed to tag it, you're supposed to price it. But part of it is just to say, hey guys, this is what we have at the minute. Have a little look. This is inside the shop. Whereas it's pushing it very much towards this 
it sales platform. And I, I, I think that's a pity. And, there, you know, the algorithms are changing. There's lots of shifts in Facebook and Instagram at the minute. So the last couple of months have been interesting. I'd say the next couple of months will be even more interesting for Facebook and Instagram because they're just wobbly it, at the minute. It's, it's, we, yeah. Up until now, you know, as, as, since it began, some Facebook have done something with their algorithm. Uh, and it's it's something bad because over the last number of years, we would know that there are certain products which are on our, let's call it classic hits collection. And we know that if we put this product up and we style it and we do whatever, it's 20, 30, 50 units, just immediately. And it's always 20, 30, 50 units. And you do that right now and it tanks. And you go, the market hasn't changed. The product hasn't changed. And then you look at the, 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 anal the analytics from Facebook and you see that it has been effectively hidden, you know, five people out of wow. a million have seen it because Facebook have hidden it effectively through the algorithm. Um, nobody knows why, but everybody is noticing this. Um, it's, it's across. It's all, across. All companies. Yeah, yeah, everybody's saying the same thing, that, you know, he, the responsiveness isn't there. Uh, and I and I agree because again your followers are really loyal like they are yeah. really loyal so I think for that and again it's really honest of you to admit that because I'm sure there's lots of much smaller retailers or kind of makers yeah. listening that are saying we're trying things and it's not working so I suppose no. it's, it's great for you to and, and, be and so honest and admit that there is no piece of advice you can give that will apply to everybody yeah everybody's business is unique to them mm -hmm. and I think the key to success is that your platforms are true to reflect you yeah. as a business. And a lot of times when you go on courses, you talk to people, there's this lovely generic brand of thing that everybody seems to want to apply. But if that's not the core of who you are, then it's a waste of time. And your customers see through that yes. as well, don't so, they? You know, um, and then the other thing, again, if it was another nugget of advice to, 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 to your listeners is, Again, you know, we're constantly looking for the, 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 the how to do on this. And, you know, we're going on courses, we're listening to things, we're tuning into different podcasts and stuff. And there is, there's, a, there's a cohort of trainers out there at the moment or deliver, people delivering, you know, this type of training. And their answer to everything is give it away for nothing. Discount 5,000%. That's not selling. No, that's not yeah. core to your thing. What, why should their solution be to you as a company? Give your product away, discounted at five thousand percent. You know the trainer isn't discounting their course, but they they're going to the retailer and saying no. But now it starts to devalue you and your product, yeah, and it starts yeah. to devalue and the product. Yeah, that's not selling. You know, I remember years and years ago when I was very very <laughs> new in, into the just the world of business, and the sales director took me under his wing, and he said. You know, look, we were talking about discounts and pricing, and he he just took me literally put my his hand around me and said, "Look, it's like this." He said, "Any any fizz and idiot can give away Mars bars in the middle yeah. of the street. That's not a skill. That's just giving it away. So it's to be cautious about that. You know, putting up discount codes twenty four seven. That's not doing anything good to your business because then you get known as a discounter, and people will just wait for the next discount and will not buy from you." So that's not a solution. But one thing, again, another kernel of advice is 
if you saw when Vanessa does something for social media, I mean, her, her, her phone is on super, super duper memory because the amount of images she takes for one post, there could be up to a hundred shots of one sofa, one vase, one thing, because no, that is just wrong. The light has just hit it. So if people are putting up posts and they're not getting traction, then change it and change it and change it until you find what your audience wants. Their audience is going to be different to our audience. Yeah, but also that's really key. And it's something I know you guys do. You watch, you analyze, you you watch the analytics, you watch your followers, like you are so connected to your customer. It is unreal the amount of data you watch and you analyze from every platform, including the shop that you have. Yeah. And it's and even the shop. I mean, going back to that, it's like customer, you know, good loyal customers are actually surprised. And it's like, oh, you, you've changed things. And it's like, well, yes. And if you really want to get into it, it's because we had that product, it was in that position, it wasn't selling. So we had faith in it. So we moved it 10 meters the other direction. And now it's working. But because we did that, we have to put something else in that place. So the whole store gets moved around because of one move. The same with social, the yeah, same with the, the website. It's, you know, with the website, what does, what does the customer drop into? What do they see first? Does this encourage them to spend, to look more? It's like the magazine when you go to the dentist. What makes you pick up that magazine opposed to that magazine? I like the photograph. I like the, the type on it, whatever. The same with social and all the rest of it. it it, it is, look, it's a performance and it's, you're, you're trying to get the person to engage with you for their two and a half minutes online, their 20 minutes in store. So there has to be an engagement. They have to be interested in it. It can't be the same vanilla beige all the time. And something has to whet their appetites to, to get them to come in, to, to rummage around, to browse Online and I, or in I suppose we are quite lucky because we carry such a range of products from, you know, larger items of furniture and smaller things. So no two days of our posts have to be the same no. because you can do the lovely spring things today. You can do the serious furniture another day. You can do the lovely Irish earrings another day. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's lots of different things that you have. So our content is quite varied and it's always interesting to see what people will relate to on a given day. Yeah. And different times that you post stuff makes a difference, whether everybody's sitting at home. I mean, it was a perfect storm in uh, the lockdown because everybody was at home and everybody was mad for content. Whereas now they're loose in the world again and they have other distractions. So uh, the challenge then is to engage with them now. Amazing. Oh my goodness, today has been so packed full of so many nuggets, but for eight years ago, what's coming up? Where are we now? We're in April. What's coming up between now and the end of the year, I suppose, for years? What are you at? That's a very good oh. question. Um, again, we're what we're planning on doing over the short term is um, there's a couple of, it sounds very fluffy, but there'll be a couple of strategic trips to key suppliers. We're relatively happy at the moment with the supplier base that we have and we've made a decision to try and to enhance enhance and delve deeper within 
our core, you know, top 20 suppliers. Which makes sense to really build that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It, for you and, and your customer. Because again, over the years, we have suppliers who don't support us or don't support our customers. Mm. We have let them fall by the wayside because you can't have that. No. You have to know, we have to sell with confidence. You know, if we're selling a product, we will send over it. Our supplier will yeah. send over it. So we've embraced the, the suppliers who give us that. And mm. there's a great comfort in that. Yeah. So it's just we're trying to maximize suppliers and minimize the suppliers that, you the know, noise. the noise. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, so no, that, that's the plan. Um, we have invested recently in a lot of Irish-based suppliers um, you know, for different reasons. One, to support local. Two, to get over the supply chain issues. Yeah. But if you're buying from somebody who's based in Dublin, Cork or Limerick, at worst, you can drive down and pick up the order yourself. Yeah. Um, you're not waiting for it to be air freighted in from wherever. Um but no, it's it, it's really to. We don't see any major shifts in the no, next couple. Of- I suppose it, it's to try and find a balance between um, uh, online and our physical shop, because obviously, to, for the last two years, online was the king, and now you know, in stories where most the significant portion of our business. So it's to 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 get a balance between those two, and there's lots of behind the scenes stuff you have to do to achieve that. So. Was we have our hands work, and yeah. then there's other systems that we're changing and stuff again. You know, they're not going to probably improve the the, the, the customer experience, but it'll improve it massively improve the efficiencies behind the scenes and what we do and how we can track things and you know product stock all that thing, yeah. so that we have a much more accurate um, front facing um, product for the customer, so we can you know. Um, deliver things faster and, and know, know more about the products quicker on that so no rest for the wicked then with you two as always Probably well look <laughs> if you've enjoyed today's podcast please like subscribe and share this I'm sure so many of you will have got so much value out of the incredible information uh, and nuggets and honesty that Kieran and Vanessa have provided so until the next time guys thank you so much for joining me today thank, thank you, you. Thanks. Pleasure. 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 as always Thanks.